BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything, from T-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets, and of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days. Like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection, or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code staple two zero. You know that fresh produce is the best produce. That's why at Kroger, we invest in local farmers to bring you seasonal picks that taste fresh from the farm good, like sweet corn, refreshing watermelon, and juicy peaches. So whether you're a delivery lover, a picker-upper, or you shop in-store, your local produce always tastes 100% fresh, or you get a 100% refund guaranteed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Write that, write that down. Hello from Burbank, California. Thank you for joining us once again for another episode of Write That Down on the Fight Game Media Network. I am Justin Nipper. I edit over at FightGameMedia.com. I'm a staff writer at F4W Online and WrestlingObserver.com. I also work for Pro Wrestling No One Cyber Fight Incorporated. And we're back with Japan's leading pro wrestling author, Pro wrestling sociologist, pro wrestling historian, pro wrestling broadcast journalist, pro wrestling nice guy, Mr. Fumi Saito. On this week's episode, we're talking about the god of pro wrestling, Carl Gotch, and I hope we did a good enough job living up to the god of pro wrestling's nickname. No, we hit on topics. We hit on a lot of topics, although I know there's probably things that we missed, especially his time in India that I'd like to learn more about. But we touched on the 1948 London Olympics that he was in. Uh, we talked about his relationship that he developed with Antonio Inoki and his time helping Inoki launch New Japan. And before that, his time in the WWF, 
and his time with Japanese companies like uh, JWA, International Wrestling, and again, later, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and his overall influence on the world of Japanese pro wrestling, on the shortly coming world of MMA that would come out of Gotcha's time, Gotcha's philosophies, all the big names. He not only influenced, but trained. We hit on all of that in today's episode. So if you haven't already, before we get into everything, please subscribe to the Fight Game Media Network podcast feed on Spotify, Apple, Downcast, Stitcher, wherever you are usually listening to your podcasts. Hit the subscribe button. Give us a review if you like. It all helps. It helps us out a ton, actually. So, all right. Let's get into today's episode on Carl Gotch. All right. So today we are going to talk about finally, and we were kind of surprised that we haven't actually done a show on him until now, but the God of Wrestling, Carl Gotch. Can you believe that we haven't actually done an episode on him yet? Hello from Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> I, we talk about Carl Gotch so much. <clears throat> oh, when you talk about Antonio Inoki, we always have to touch upon the, the what Korgach have done in Japan or the beginning of M- MMA or the shoot style wrestling that the, the, the Korgach style, the UWS style, the Maeda style, the Takata style, the, all these things, or the Pancras. We talk about that a lot. And uh, those were the style of wrestling before there was such term MMA. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I couldn't believe um, we haven't done Coral Gutch episode, Coral Gutch episode alone. <laughs> so I guess this is uh, it's a good timing to do so. Yeah. And uh, now that because last oh I can't believe it's been four weeks or um, uh, just one month after Antonio Inoki's passing. I know. It's like yeah, it's it's, it's been as if time stood still. People talk about Antonio Inoki every day, today. I mean, still every day. And there's something about Inoki on newspaper or something about him on TV or on the internet, of course, constantly. And uh, yeah. Uh, and all in all, Antonio Inoki was one of the best people, disciple of Karl Gatch. Mm, arguably grew... the best. <clears throat> yeah. Then, but and what, what made Antonio Inoki special was that he grew out of... Um, Carl Gotch's wrestling aspect of it and became bigger producer and promoter and politician He's like, as a star basically uh, separated himself from Carl Gotch you know so uh, but the earlier on there was there wouldn't be Antonio Inoki without Carl Gotch does that make sense early on now do you think that as Inoki's career went on and he, he stepped out of the, the wrestler role and stepped into more of a, you know who who we know him as now do you think he kept those philosophies that carl gotch instilled in him when he was trained do you think in he the ha- physical workout aspect yes i see. see even after inoki retired from active wrestling he still worked out every day you know, like in, in whether it's in his, you know, diet, the national diet, the, the parliament building or the gym or at his condominiums or the hotel rooms that he just started working out. Like 
Inoki at his 70 some age years old that he started doing his Korgachita Hindu squat, like 500 of them. No, we got to do 1,000 today. It's just, oh my gosh, somebody, you know, like his secretary or something knocks Anthony Inoki's hotel door, right? Hotel room. Knock, knock, knock. Mr. Inoki, right? He comes out all sweaty, you know what I'm saying? What, what are you doing, sir? Oh, I was just working out. Korogach philosophy, if you have a foot here and foot there with a little space, you can already work out. Isn't that interesting? He was uh, beyond dedicated. Yeah, and also has this Korogach method that uh, if you have this much little space, space to have a little stool on, you already have a space. And you don't need weight. Because a lot of Hindu squats, push-ups and sit-ups and wrestler style push-ups and all kinds of body, you know, the, the things you use your own body weights, or pulling or, you know, dipping. I mean, right, natural body weight, natural, oh, what's the word? Natural tension, natural yeah, yeah. Uh, resistance. Yeah, if you are staying at the high, you know, skyscraper type hotels, like up in the 55th, you know, fifth floor or something, do up and down and up and down five times in the morning. Oh my gosh, you know what I'm saying? He was uh, run the stairs, right? Fitness conditioning was extremely, extremely important to to not just yeah. Karl Gotch apparently didn't really believe in um, weights like iron weights. You know that uh, that's like a dead weight, son. <laughs> right. So he he at least in the Western wrestling world, he is the one I always identify as making famous the uh, Indian clubs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some people call it koshiti, like uh, Iranian clubs, we call it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Like a huge bowling pin looking like? Yeah, it, like like a, a club or a mace. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah. I don't know I the... Iran, yeah. Okay. Yeah, our Iranian club. Or... Was, it, was it from Pelwan? Like Pelwan, the, the, the Indian Pakistan? wrestling, Pakistan-Indian wrestling uh, like form and structure? Wasn't that a part of their training? I'm not in sure that of the... part of the world, anyhow. Yes, yes. Well, it comes that, that, from that... the Middle Eastern part of the world and wrestling worlds, wrestling training. Or if you consider Iran and Asia, that's Asia too. Mm, sure, yeah, sure. And uh, the, the, the barbells and uh, dumbbells are so Western, right? Sure, yeah, but they had different form of weights. So Korgach believed in that, but more so, he was he believed in. Uh, different sets of push-ups, you know, like a narrow one, the wider one, to a front one, to a, you know, like the close to your body one. There's different, you know, style of push-ups that really strengthen different parts of your body and muscles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And endurance, endurance, you know, that the Hindu squats, you know, 500, 1,000, 2,000 of those, well, like that's your muscle, but more of endurance too. Mm -hmm. Without endurance, Strengths mean nothing. Like Korogacho was saying that a lot. Conditioning was important. There's Conditioning a, was yeah, yeah. The Gotch Bible, the, the 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 kind of approach he took to to not just training, but the, the what is it? You would take your deck of cards, right? You you know the Gotch Bible, right? Oh, of course, of course. But the Gotch Bible, but we have to point that out that Gotch himself did not believe in the manual book. You mm -hmm. could never teach that and write, write it. <laughs> Our show is write that down, right? But uh, <laughs> Korogach didn't really believe in writing these down 
and people read it and do it and do the same. It's a, that doesn't work. You have to teach them in person because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. every person is like a drop of water in the ocean. Everybody's different. You have to coach each individual accordingly is what he was thinking. Mm -hmm. Is that interesting? There's a lot of gotcha-ism, like so many words that that he left, like, you know, everybody knows the price, nobody knows the value. There's mm -hmm. a lot of things, you know, just very interesting quote. I should have wrote everything down, but uh, only just 10 of those. But uh, we'll go through that today. Korogachi was born 1924, 1924, and died 2007, July 28th to be exact, just a week before his 83rd birthday. So he was 82. 1924, he was born in Antwerp, Belgium. <clears throat> but they, you know, he was considered always considered in wrestling. He was from Germany, or he was German, German suplex, right? But uh, some people predict that. Uh, I mean, uh, dispute that that they, no, he was Belgium, not German. It's like, but we have to really. <clears throat> this part is like well, some some of these wrestling journalism or wrestling fans or or the even the really book reading oriented wrestling fan forget about we still have to learn a little bit of real history in europe that uh europe is like a united states that you know it's in the same big you know land that uh, that divided into different countries in the states it's like a states california the oregon the illinois the, you know what i'm saying but the, in europe it's all in the same land, big, huge Atlantic. Then you have this, you know, that uh, what do you call it? Country boundaries. But uh, to make a long story short, Belgium was occupied by Prussia German so many times over the years, over the centuries. And like you said before, that the, even within Belgium, is a French-speaking Belgian population and a German-speaking uh, Belgian population. And I witnessed that he spoke German to uh, his mother. And there's another language that uh, skipping. Uh, Flemish. Skip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he really spoke the language at yeah. home. Flemish was yeah. like the uh, 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 kind of not local dialect, but the, the native language to the Belgian the physical Belgian country, right? Yeah, yeah. Then at home, in in your kitchen at home, it's like Belgium food and German foods are very similar too. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And um, he always named his dogs German names. Right. So, and this is where years later we would get the German suplex, not the Belgian suplex. Right, right, right. And also, he was introduced. By uh, upon his first arrival to Japan in 1961, that uh, he was, you know, Ricky Dozen's third annual World League tournament, you know, that uh, he, representing German, Germany, you know. And uh, so he was always introduced as a German person and spoke German, of course. And, uh, but he was born in Antwerp, Belgium, and he was always, you know, calling himself, I was, I was a kid from Waterfront, Antwerp. Yeah, mm -hmm. and started learning, uh, going to wrestling dojo. I sh I'm, it's not a dojo, but the, we have to say like a dojo. You know, like in, you know, there was like in in Japan, there's like a uh, that uh, not the school, but the, the place you can go learn 
柔道を剣道を合気道だ空手だった little school you know、うん、in your neighborhood club you know and that the Carl young Carl Gotch I should say Carl Estas right Estas him is、right. real name I S T A Z Estas、mm. that's uh that's a good German name right there right、mm. yeah um he started going to this you know local wrestling dojo when he was eight. Much like let, you know, later on, Billy Robinson learned, you know,、uh, was doing as a kid, you know, in, in Lancashire. You know?、mm-hmm. Anyhow, that、uh, Korogach started learning wrestling when he was eight years old. His father sent him there. And we have to wonder what kind of wrestling was it? Was it an amateur wrestling or. That's another part that we have to learn the real history. That、uh, there, there are all kinds of folk wrestling all over the world, all、mm-hmm. over Europe. I was well, going to ask, people, yeah, was he like he wasn't necessarily a, a catch as can Lancashire specialist, he wasn't known as that, but he, he also wasn't, he didn't, I, I don't know exactly what his was he. Greco Roman specialist, or was it like you said, just maybe a mix of European folk styles at the time? Yeah, even within Europe, there's like five, six different kinds of wrestling. Basically, Lancashire, Catchers, Catchcam, more of a British style wrestling became Olympics today's freestyle. Whereas、uh, freehand wrestling, like above West, they used to call it French, French、mm-hmm. style wrestling,、mm-hmm. they became Greco Roman wrestling. So, amateur wrestling as we know today was created for the like a more amateur purpose and Olympic purpose. But the actual wrestlers participating in early Olympics, guys, they came from, for instance, from India or, or Iran or some, they were from oil wrestling and sand wrestling.、Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so even the early amateur wrestling、uh, wrestlers in Japan, they were all judokas. Judo、mm. people adapted wrestling and, you know, they fought, you know, they took the gi off and, you know, put a wrestling gear and followed the wrestling rule and therefore had the wrestling match, amateur style. So I'm not so sure that the, what style of wrestling Kurogachi was learning as a kid. It could be just catch as catch can or, the, you know, a style of wrestling. But all in all, he participated in 1948. London Olympic、mm-hmm. representing、uh, Belgium. He went to Olympic. That's the good amateur, right? Right there. Very much so. <clears throat> yeah, he didn't win any medals, but、uh, 1948 Olympic, London Olympic. Just、uh, see,、uh, another history lesson. During the war, 1940 Olympic and 1944 Olympic postponed twice during the war.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was like a reopening of Olympic 1948. And that was an Olympic that Vern Gagne from America went to, Mad Dog Vachon from Canada went to, and Dick Hutton, that the late NWA world champion,、uh, went to the Olympic. And Korogach also participated in 1948 London Olympic. All, ki- all kinds of, that the heavyweight amateur wrestler turned pro right after that. And Korogach was one of them. Still from、uh, 
Belgium. And he, this is like really sketchy because there's not not written data of what when was his debut year as a pro and what was and where the match was. And I believe he debuted as a professional wrestler somewhere in Belgium, somewhere before 1951. That's as much as we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he, uh, European pro wrestling is more of a tournament oriented, you know, like, you know, Hanover or, you know, that the, the, Bel- the, the Bremen tournament, the Hanover tournament, the more like a seasonal, you know, season, you know, September tournament, October tournament, you know, that kind of thing. And he, he wrestled professionally 1950, 51-ish, then met Billy Robinson's uncle, Alf Robinson. Isn't that interesting? Billy Robinson's uncle, though, mm. who was also a professional wrestler. He told young Korogach, then he was still wrestling under Karo Istas. Oh, for, as a record, for a record, if you go into Olympic data website, you know, there's, you know, like a real actual uh, accurate record of Olympic, right? Mm-hmm. It's a couple of websites. If you go into you know Olympic website and uh, go into 1948 London Olympic, both Greco and freestyle, he, he was a light heavyweight and wrestled under Charles Estes. Mm. You can find his record. So see, some of these you know professional wrestling you know stats are kind of fabricated, right? I mean, they're so old and they've been passed down and and. <clears throat> uh, Passed from but Coral really wrestled Olympic. That's right. So did yeah. he have um, kind of a name for himself? Did he make a name for himself on the wrestling scene? Uh, be a, a, like the amateur uh, level or into the professional level? What, uh, what but uh, think if of him you represent a country and going to Olympic Olympic Games, that that you are the top of the field, in the top of the whole genre, don't you think? Hmm. Yeah, but Much unfortunately, Verngania was in America. But, well, it just seems like in in Belgium and in a lot of Europe that wrestling after the wars wasn't as popular as it was, say, in North America or other places. Okay, the capital of wrestling moved to North America. Mm. Yeah, well, but it happened way back in 1908. <laughs> you know, okay, let's put it this way. Professional wrestling is older than amateur wrestling. People don't know about, about that. Mm-hmm. 1908, there was a Frank Gotch against Russian Lion George Hackenschmidt, right? Mm-hmm. The European World Heavyweight Champion George Hackenschmidt came from Europe and went, came to America and had a unification that the uh, undisputed world heavyweight title match against Frank Koch and American Frank Koch from Iowa won. Therefore, the capital of professional wrestling moved from Europe to America. That's the part that we have to point out. And some people say back in 1908, Frank Koch and George Hackenschmidt had two matches, two matches, the title matches, you know, and uh, twice uh, Frank Koch won. Some people think it was all Content, legitimate fight, shoot. Some people say say it was already at work. We don't know that because there's no video footage or movies or anything like that. Just newspaper clipping and the tales 
the, the stories that's been told. It's a, a, interesting research to do, you know, that, uh, anyhow, the back to Korogach, he participated in Olympic 1948 and turned professional and, and, and wrestled uh, European tournaments. Then sometime in 1951, I believe, uh, Carl, young Carl, Charles Istas, Carl Istas, met Billy Robinson's uncle, Alf Robinson, and Alf Robinson told Carl to come to uh, Lancashire, you know, that the Wigan in England. Then between 1951 to 1959, so eight year period, Carl actually lived in, in Wigan, England, and learned his later known as submission wrestling from snake pit billy riley it's not a, like a big story right there yeah, interesting he, right beginning yeah. of his uh his world journey his his adventure around because he didn't just stop there he'd go through asia he'd go through middle east yeah yeah but the, he was already a professional wrestler and he he i guess i think he really liked the british style of living that's when he picked up uh, English language speaking. See, he had real heavy accent all until the day he died, right? Mm -hmm. he, he spoke English fine, but uh, he always had this German, like it was like a strict European accent to speak, you know? And uh, he did live in Wigan, uh, England between 1951 and 1959 for eight year period. And he basically spent entire time at snake pit <clears throat> billy riley's snake mm. pit you know wrestling gym catches catch can because amateur wrestling don't allow to have this submission hold right to to make people submit that's right it, yeah amateur wrestling is a point system and how to you know get to pin somebody in on the both shoulders in the, on the map sometimes the rules have changed and you don't even have to pin the guy got the guy had the shoulder down you had gone right mm. nfl sunday ticket is now on youtube and youtube tv which means that it just got easier to be an nfl fan even if you live far away like maybe you like the bears but you're hibernating in panthers territory but with nfl sunday ticket your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away specifically the distance from you to your remote control nfl sunday ticket now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And uh, this was a big difference from the European style, which had the submissions. All different well, kinds he, of wrestling. Yeah, in Europe had and he learned the craft from the, the best, like people, like Billy Riley, mm -hmm. of course, and there was a Billy Joyce, and uh, there's all kinds of guys. And actually, the, the, the tale, young Billy Robinson, and young girl Korogach actually spot wrestled at the mm. dojo. Wow! One night, yeah. And basically, Korogach 
killed Billy Robinson in, on the mat. Mm. But Carl Gotch was 29-year-old professional, and Billy Robinson was 14-year-old kid that time. We have to remember that. You know? uh, okay. In interesting, huh? Yeah. Because yeah, there's an age difference. So those two had a unique relationship, like a, almost like a relative, you know, that for, for Billy Robinson, Carl Gotch was like his uncle from another relatives, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, they were close. They were very close. Close relationship. And, yeah, and, and the British and German, you know? Yeah, and difference. And uh, in Europe, there's always an argument that the, that the which country created wrestling uh, as an institution of wrestling, you know, that the French always thought, no, the, the wrestling was created by French all the way from Greco-Roman. <laughs> That's why they named it Greco-Roman. It's like a 19th century invention. Mm. Yeah, that the, today's Greco-Roman wrestling has nothing to do with ancient Greek or Rome. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It was a French idea because British style <clears throat> catches catch catch game became so popular and and it became today's amateur wrestling's freestyle. So they, I guess they honored both British style and French style. One became freestyle and one became Greco-Roman. Anyhow, that the Carl Gotch and all these like lions huh, at the Snake Pit Dojo. Can you imagine the working up? This is not a wrestling ring, just mat, you know? And a lot of professional came out of it. And he really enjoyed that eight years in Britain and, and he mastered this later on known as Korgach style submission wrestling craft. Then he went on. Uh, he, he, he also, during that period, he worked um, British, you know, pro wrestling too. And in 1959, finally moved to Montreal, Montreal, Canada, in order to, you know, migrate to America. You know, he wanted to be an American. The reason he wanted, the car wanted to be an American was that when the war was over, that uh, I'm sorry to go back and forth, you know, that I, I hope people understand. I kind of skipped a few years. In 1945, when Carl was 20, 21, he was actually captured by um, Nazis, you know, and then he was in a concentration camp and he was in, in the, you know, it's like a, basically, let's put it that way, he's like a Holocaust survivor, you know, Carl Gotch was. And he was rescued by American soldier when war was over in summer of 1945. And he wanted, he decided that I want to be an American. Hmm. That's what young Korogach, you know, you know, decided. The wrestling was his way of, you know, see the world, travel the world, you know, and then uh, started wrestling in Belgium, started wrestling in Europe. And when they met Billy Robinson's uncle and he was invited to England, he lived in Wigan for eight years. And finally, as a professional wrestler, moved to Montreal first. You know, probably like something to do is European visa or the passport. Yeah. But the, he moved to French speaking Montreal. And then he finally migrated to America in 19, end of 1959 into 1960. That's like a 20th century adventure, don't you think? Very much so, because also the idea of wrestling or what wrestling was at the time was very, very different from now and still evolving out of the war. So 
I mean, there was what was happening in the States and this was happening all over North America and Japan, but uh, Carl Gott seemed to have, he navigated a different path and he found out a lot more about wrestling and taught a lot about wrestling later on. Yeah, but we still have to be reminded that uh, I'm not saying that the wrestling was all shoot in that part, you know, that period. I think all through the 20th century, 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, wrestling was already work. Right. It didn't look like it does today, but um, right, there yeah, was... Then um... It was very closed society. Only wrestlers share the secrets. Mm. And uh, he went down, still, um, his, his, his ring name, 19, you know, 59, 1960, was still uh, parts Carl Estes and sometimes Carl Krauser, mm-hmm. another name, Carl Krauser. There was another person with same name, very confusing, that if you, you know, do the Googling, that uh, you may find two different, you know, Carl uh, Krauser. One is completely another person, and one is Carl Gotch. And he doesn't. He didn't become Korogach until 1961. He he became uh, adopted Gotch name in Cincinnati, Ohio, in 1961. The promoter, Ohio promoter Al Haft, Al is an A L and Haft is H A F T. People can look it up. He's a big big time uh, Ohio promoter. We still have to understand the fact that there was a territories right now people watch tales from the territories television so this probably understand that there's like a 20 25 different territory over all over the states and also you know every state had their own set of wrestling company and territory and under their own roster and you know in the beginning of television and people attend live card and Carl Gotch, young Carl Gotch ended up working Al Haft's uh, promotion in Ohio. Ohio was a very popular wrestling place. And uh, some people, uh, okay, the reason his name was given Gotch was that the promoter, Al Haft, was also a wrestler in his young you know, in his days. That he, the promoter, Al Haft's ring name when he was active wrestler was Young Gotch. Young Gotch. That name that the promoter Al Haft Haft took from original Frank Gotch, right? And uh, promoter, uh, Ohio promoter Al Haft looked at young Carl and said, okay, this guy is Gotch, therefore Carl Gotch. So Carl Gotch is so famous, but actually his name was adapted from the original Frank Gotch from turn of the century. Are you with me even? It, it kind of gave him, especially in the States, it might have given him uh, the an image of a real technician or somebody who's really best of the best. And just, yeah, and then stands tall and just so dignified looking, you know, and then no nonsense wrestler. Right? I mean, that's Carl Gotch was. And uh, in the first trip to Japan, he was already, uh, oh, oh, oh my gosh, this guy's really special, you know, and uh, he participated in third annual Ricky Dozen's third annual uh, World League tournament in spring of 1962, 61, 62. Then, yeah. 
1961, for sure. Yeah, 1961. Anyhow, that was the first trip. And uh, some people dispute that Korogach was never a star in wrestling world, right? It, mm. It's not entirely accurate because uh, Ohio ran a company called AWA. <laughs> I'm sorry, AWA is automatically think it's like a later on 60s, 70s, 80s, Vern Gagne's Midwest AWA, right? Hmm. But it's it was a different. It was different AWA, you know, American Wrestling Association. <laughs> they name it, right? There was 1920s, there was Boston AWA, American Wrestling. There was like a Illinois version of AWA. There was Montreal version of American Wrestling Association. You just name it. It sounds like American Wrestling Association sounds like like a wrestling governing body, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there were one, two, three, like four or five different AWA through, through the, uh, all through the 20th century. This version of AWA, the Korogachi worked in early 60s, was also AWA in, in like in Columbus, Ohio. And he won their world heavyweight, heavyweight title in, in 1962, beating young Don Leo Jonathan. Yeah. And this version of AWA world heavyweight title was unified with Luthes's NWA world title in, in 1964. So, so two year period, he was like in Midwest, uh, Ohio and surrounding areas, you know, good sized territory, but he was also, Carl was, local or regional i should say he was world heavyweight champion then the unification uh match took place in 1964 and luthes beat coral therefore the the this ohio aw became um nwa territory that's it's kind of political but uh, what i'm saying is that some people is saying that the Gotch was never a wrestling star in america that's not entirely true that uh, he went to Australia in the following year, 1965, when there was a big territory in Australia run by Jim Burnett. You know, there's like a traveling touring company, you know, all the all kinds of superstars from America and Europe travel to uh, that part of country, you know, Australia and New Zealand. They, they had tours, tours. You remember and, what that was called, right? We had the Ohio AWA. And yeah, Australia, he was champion. Australia. The, you had WCW, the original. Yeah, yeah, World Championship Wrestling. See, you, the people named these, you know, because this is almost genetically sounding. American Wrestling Association, they named that. Mm. And Australia, World Championship Wrestling. Not the WCW we know from 90s, like a Ted Turner company, but there was another World Championship Wrestling run by none other than Jim Burnett, their own American promoter. He moved, Jim Burnett moved to Australia and had very healthy, very lucrative wrestling company for about eight, nine year period. Mm. And Korogach toured there and beat Spiros Arion to become their version of IWA World Heavyweight title uh, champion. IWA sounds like International Wrestling Association, right? right. They named those. <laughs> but it was but not the one that... With Mil Masker or anything like sure, that. Sure, yeah. yeah. Or uh, Kokusai in Japan, yeah. Mm. IWA was there. Are a lot of IWAs in, in Puerto Rico, or, or even uh, Calgary. Is, 
you, you know, promoters, you know, old fashioned promoter tend to name their company kind of big, right? Hmm. International Wrestling Association or Alliance or American Wrestling Association. So it's confusing, but Coral won Ohio Al Half's version of AW World Heavyweight title. And he's he had won uh, Australian Jim Burnett's version of IWA World Heavyweight title. And get closer to today's in 1971, him and Rene Goulet. Uh, won uh, WWF tag team, world tag team title in in, in Vince McMahon Senior's WWF. So right. he had traveled and worked as traditional pro wrestlers, but never really lost, you know, what he had learned in Wigan Snake Pit. But I, I'm not sure he really used the technique in American style wrestling ring. I don't, I mean, definitely not in WWF. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but it's not like he also, not like he compromised uh, what he was doing either. He wrestled in a, he, he could get over and get popular with the the fans back then too, with Rene Goulet, if you go and watch the videos. Um, oh, that see. video actually exists. Yeah, you, go, you go Rene yeah. Goulet against the rugged Russians. That's right, yeah. that's out there. Yeah, yeah, it's out there. And Carl is having a great time dancing and doing a baby face move, and even, I mean, some funny looking Mongolian chops and and two out of three fall match. And Carl lose second fall, one, two, three. I was like, ah, I was like shocked, you know, because never seen it, you know. Right. You know, fifty years later, I I heard about him, you know, as a kid, I heard about him winning WWF WWF tag team title, right? Oh my gosh, right? And uh, so he was doing American style in New York. And when you see that uh, YouTube uh, footage, Carl Gotch being introduced as great Carl Gotch. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like he had a, a, a storied background uh, coming into WWF. He already had a reputation that preceded him from around the world, from the training, from the championship matches. Yeah, and then he's always been this non no nonsense guy, and he always had the simple, plain, uh, single trunks and ring shoes, not even knee pads, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just does his thing. Yeah, so uh, when he was uh, wrestling in America, if you watch some of these older pieces of footage of him, you could see that he did a lot of the fancy. Uh, I guess you would call it the general British style of a uh, show. European style was very, sh- very, very similar to what Billy Robinson was doing in the 70s, 80s. Yes, less like uh, the, the shoot MMA style that he, I guess, would become famous for training people in. It was more like... It's a, more of a, what do you call classic. it? Classic. Uh, or what's the kind of change that they come off or... or in a ring game, you know, um, like a, I'm not wire, sure. like a slinky, yeah, wire puzzle kind of thing. I I'm not familiar, but I think I know the metaphor you're going for, where yeah, it's yeah. Where, where you're trading hold for hold, and you just kind of get yeah, lost, yeah. in the and, uh, in the chain, the chain wrestling, the chain right, rings. and. If the younger audience out there wanna you know like a, has a certain image, it's like a real early Steve um 
Regal. Mm-hmm. Before William Regal, like in, in WCW version of William Regal, today's um, Stephen Regal, today's William Regal, he was doing that. Hmm. Or even Very... Zack Sabre Jr. Oh, oh, exactly. Today. That, He's that, the that's, modern that's, version. That's it. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. That's like that. Tricky, yeah. uh, not based in uh, you know big high spots or taking huge bumps, but more of a athletic yeah, one move cleverness. After another. His opening, his opening, his opening. You know, that hold your wrist, hold your hands, hold your ankle or, or toe. Spin around. Ah, yeah, and then it's pretty fancy too. Mm-hmm. You know? and he could really do like that style. style. Carl Gotch yeah. could really do that style well. And actually, that's very legitimate. You know, hmm. that uh, if people refuse to go with it, he'll still do it for, you know, to you. Right, because there is that the balance of, well, there's a work in the ring and there's a way to do it the real way, the organic way. So yeah, a wrestler yeah. like Gotch is always, uh, he's pushing that line of, uh, is this a sequence? between us or is this something that i can actually escape from or you can't escape from or and that's the kind of thinking that also there is no manual that uh, hmm. it's more like a, not a that the music with notes it's more jazz sure it's more improvised yeah 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 it that's has to do with how the crowd reacts it has to do with what's going on what what you what you're looking at you know the opening hmm. here and the opening there is like a just imagine Korogachi and Fujiwara wrestling on the mat. Mm, mm. Yeah, which they did. Um, then we should go into the Korogachi relationship with Japan. Mm. He had moved to Japan. Japan Pro Wrestling, Nippon Pro Wrestling, JWA, invited him over to be not just wrestler, but coach, living in Japan. And there's a two period. It was like a, I always said he lived in Japan for two year period, but the, technically he did it twice. Um, November of '67 to '68, then came back in spring of '68 and stayed until May of '69. So another year. So like a two year period, he lived in Japan and trained at the, the Nippon Pro Wrestling JWA Dojo. It's called Gach Kyohitsu. That's a Gach clinic. So was he in charge of the classes, or was he training other people, or was he? Yeah, well, not a class for anybody. It's a wrestler's clinic. Mm. Not like today's wrestling school. People pay to come and learn. It only did it for existing professional wrestlers. He. That's when he really spent time at the dojo with Antonio Inoki. Oh, I should say, Antonio Inoki spent a lot of time with Carl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's like a uh, Japanese wrestler that they were active around the you know late '60s into early '70s part. They they were basically all trained by Carl Gotch one time or another, and Inoki decided to spend time with this guy. You know, then of course back in uh, back in 1961, 18, 19-year-old. Inoki met Korogach while Ricky Dozan was still alive, you know, like a young lion kind of thing, Inoki was. But the 67, 68, 69 version of Anto Inoki, already a young star, right? Mm-hmm. But he wanted to spend more time at Dojo with Coral. And Coral gave Anto Inoki first Octopus Hold, you know, the Manji Gatame Octopus mm-hmm. Hold. Mm-hmm. I mean, he. 
up until then, Inoki's finish was cobra twist, you know, abdominal st stretch. But the moderate version of abdominal stretch became later signature hold octopus. You know the one I'm talking about. It's a real famous one. It's always on cover of Inoki magazine. Octopus. Then he really, Inoki introduced that in the ring in 68. You know, whoa, great, new move, new finish, right? Then in 69, he Inoki introduced Korogat style German suplex as a very special finish. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Korogat gave Inoki, you know, octopus hold and German suplex. I think during the, it was what, early 72 when they had the first New Japan match, and that was what? Gotch... I'll get to that. I'll okay. get to that. Yeah, because okay, rewind. This, we're still talking about we're still talking about Japan pro wrestling, Nippon pro wrestling, JWA dojo. So who else? Uh, so not just Inoki, but who else did he come across? Oh, like a rookie Sakaguchi. Okay, so yeah, who yeah. else did he work with at the dojo? Uh, Tiger Chanli Toguchi. Okay. Yeah, Kim Dak. Uh, Mr. Hito Adachi went to Calgary and became coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or oh, 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 that uh, you may not be familiar with, but uh, 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 Otsubo, uh, Kiyotaka Otsubo, or there's like an older you know, wrestler who was like, like a mid-card wrestler who, who spends a lot of time in, do, in dojo, not quite stars, but every single one of these Japanese wrestlers were trained by Karl Gatch in this, this two-year period. And that, that dojo tra you know, training method became Korogach method. So the... And anybody who started any other company or any anybody who trained after that, it was Korogach method, knowing it or not knowing it. Isn't that, that interesting? That was yeah, the, the I guess the the training menu. For, uh, even today, a lot of it is still incorporated. Yeah, wrestler style push ups. You know, like a stretching push ups. Yeah, like the, or lion push ups. Sometimes they call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and the push up board. You know, like a little plate. Mm -hmm. That you hold you know while you are you know doing the push-ups or korogach style push-ups korogach style dipping pulling all these things that that, that it was korogach method that uh, uh it's not just mr hito and tiger chanli or kintaro oki or ruki sakaguchi everybody who was at the dojo was trained by Koro. and that method remained even after you know Koro left yeah. So that's a Japanese training, basically, I mean, even all the way to today's, you know, that the Hindu squat style, that the push up style of pulling the ropes, dip, pulling, uh, chinning, all these things, uh, Korogach style. And also, um, he was not much of the like a wrestling politician, right? Because the Coral Gotch, as an active wrestler at the time, he was so sick of this wrestling politics wherever he went. That uh, Montreal, Ohio, that he worked Minneapolis, uh, that the, that uh, Nebraska, he went to even Tampa, Florida, went to Australia uh, and Asian countries. And just like, wow, it's like you had, it's always promoter's choice, you know, the decision making. If if promoter tells wrestler something, all wrestler can ask was how high. Mm. Yeah, and then he was really sick of it because he was genuine wrestlers and never was as part of 
productions or part of creative. And uh, it really was a match made in heaven that he came to Japan and he really taught Japanese wrestlers what he knows. Not the wrestling politics part of it, but the actual wrestling method. Are you with style. Me? The style. Yeah, the, yeah, and the craft, the, the art philosophy, of philosophy, uh, a lot of the, the approach. You, st- you see it in all the top stars in different companies still today. You probably always will see some kind of connection. Yeah, oh, he even trained with Giant Baba, but the Antonio Inoki looked something in Coral that the, this is something that if he really... Um, um, like can learn this Korogaj style thing. This is something that Inoki will surpass Giant Baba as a star. Mm-hmm. With See, gotcha system. Yeah, that the Giant Baba's always bigger star than Inoki all, all through sixties, early into seventies, probably in until Inoki had a Muhammad Ali fight. And then mm-hmm. the general population knew Inoki's name better. But uh, until then, Baba was always Giant Baba was always bigger star than than the five year younger Antonio Inoki. Yeah, we need to point that out. Mm-hmm. But uh, with Carl's method, this is it. You know, you know, Antonio Nickfeld, this is it, huh? You know, and he will become like Carl Gotch. And Carl Gotch's, you know, nickname wasn't God of Wrestling then. His nickname in Japan in late 60s was Uncrowned Champion. Isn't that interesting? Mm. Yeah, because he's not a, he wasn't Luthes. He wasn't Buddy Rogers, you know. Um, yeah, but the, every bit as good as any champions in, 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 in America or all over the world, you know, I should say, the Korogach meant something in Japanese wrestling. I mean, that's like a beginning of God of Wrestling era. And that, that became his nickname in the, the birth of New Japan. See, it's n- another history lesson. Inoki tried to clean up the booking and, and the bookkeeping and the money situation of Nippon Pro Wrestling and wanted to clean up. It's like, we're drawing so many people and the TV ratings good and all these, you know, the company must be making money. Why aren't we making money, right? Inoki went in and checked all these, you know, balancing and in, in, in the bookkeeping and, and, and because of it, Yoshino Sato and uh, uh, Kokichi Endo or then Japan Pro Wrestling, Nippon Pro Wrestling bosses basically fired Inoki. That, uh, you know, the, you know, young, you know, 29-year-old Inoki was going to steal Japan Pro Wrestling from us. Instead, they fired Inoki. Therefore, beginning of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And old Japan Pro Wrestling tried to block everything from Inoki from starting the company. You know, you and I talked about this monopoly, you know, the, the mentality, right? Mm, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Inoki, 29 year old Inoki was, you know, basically got fired or left, you know, left the company, the old company. Ricky Dozen, he's not there, but the Japan Pro Wrestling, Nippon Pro Wrestling, JWA, and he had to start his own company. And January of 1972, Inoki went to New, either it was in Philadelphia or New York, while Carl Gotch was traveling WWE tour, WWF tour. He went to Carl, straight to Carl, I need your help. I'm starting a new company and this is going to be like you, you know, therefore the birth of strong style pro wrestling. And Carl basically quit WWF right then and left. 
So actually, Carl Gotch, Rene Goulet combination having WWWF tag team title only for two months because Carl decided to leave. And okay, I'm with you, you know, you know, you know, key. And they, they were the partner, uh, you know, to therefore the beginning of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And the negotiation was quick. Uh, January of 1972, Inoki and Korogach met and decided to, you know, to work together and start the New Japan Pro Wrestling. In March of 72, Koro was already in Japan. And the, the very first show at the Ota Gym, they didn't have anything else. So they did Inoki against Korogach single match. Inoki, then 30 years old, Carl 47, kind of getting old, right? Right. But uh, yeah, but uh, it was uh, like uh, they brought in other American wrestlers that the Carl was able to book. But he, like I said, he was never a promoter in America or didn't have that kind of interest in booking wrestlers to a different town or to be a promoter or this and that. But uh, Inoki didn't have much connection either, you know, in establishment. And Nippon Pro Wrestling blocked every promoter, promoters in, in the territories all over America and NWA promoters like, do not talk to Inoki, right? So they basically was blocked them like a NWA blackballing system. Sure. Inoki was outlaw. And the car was the only friend he had. In and out of the ring, huh? Seemed that way. It seemed that yeah. way. And it was kind of a risk. Nobody knew how New Japan would do and if they would survive or, you know, because look what happened. Without, it ha- started without televisions, you know, that like network money, anything. Yeah. And there was Tokyo Pro Wrestling right before that. It didn't work he, out. He failed. Yeah. So there wasn't, I mean, it was a risk. It was yeah, a it was risk. A, yeah. Like New Japan Pro Wrestling was going to be his, Inoki's second attempt. Of you know, starting outlaw company, mm-hmm. yeah. But this time, Japan Pro Wrestling was there. Inoki's New Japan Pro Wrestling, and Baba, with same reason, six months later, left Nippon Pro Wrestling to open All Japan Pro Wrestling. Therefore, 1972 was the year Inoki opened New Japan Pro Wrestling, and Giant Baba opened All Japan Pro Wrestling. Then, following year, sure enough, 1973, Nippon Pro Wrestling went down. Mm. So that's like, a, that's like a real history of it. Inoki started New Japan Pro Wrestling with Carl Gotch, with Carl Gotch. Mm. And the first opening show was single match, no title, nothing, and just plain, you know, sing, straight, strong style pro wrestling in a, like a darker arena yeah, that, because Japan Pro Wrestling, Nippon Pro Wrestling blocked New Japan from using Korakuen Hall. And they had to go to, that was the reason they started at the Ota Gymnasium, like a suburb of Tokyo. It's mm-hmm. okay. It's a single match between Korogach and Antonio Inoki. Antonio Inoki being 30, and Korogach, I believe, was 47. But they had the ideal title at the, the single match, and Koro beat Inoki that night. One I think the... it was a very smart way to start, huh? Because if Inoki beat Koro that night, what would be the next, you know? And it was one of the last times Inoki would lose a match in his career. It was one of the yeah, few losses he for took. for about another 10 years, yeah. Right? It was, yeah. It, it actually helped build up the image actually, of Carl Gotch. Actually, uh, technically, Inoki 
and Carl Gotch had about six single important single match next year or two. Mm-hmm. And Inoki lost a couple times. But but against nobody else. Mm. If it was Carl, yeah. And Carl, but you cannot rely on Carl, a 48-year-old Carl Gotch so long, you know. But uh, he um he was a mobile coach. You know, he came to New Japan Dojo every day and like uh, start training rookie Yoshiaki Fujiwara, of course. Mm. Yeah. I was going to ask yeah. about his relationship. Ben Rookie, because uh, he, uh, at the time, Fujiwara, you know, ca- came to Tokyo to be a wrestler. He didn't know how to be a professional wrestler. He working for restaurants and uh, that uh, fish market and doing a lot of things and working at the gym to get big. And right when Inoki started New Japan Pro Wrestling, that had to be it, and he came to Dojo. Then met Carl. And people like young, um, Look a little bit later on, like in the beginning of '76, young Satoru Sayama, mm-hmm. of course, yeah, later on Tiger Mask, and every single one of them, like a Masanobu Chris or Don Arakawa, the very young Kuniaki Kobayashi, Osamu Kido, they were all trained by Carl Gotch. It's like pretty much, you know, stopped wrestling in the ring around that time period that the Carl was. Like simply New Japan dojo coach, yeah. Oh, interesting enough though, the people like you know, like Mr. Pogo or Grand Hamada, like they are rookies. They were there at the New Japan dojo, trained under Korogach. And that, they don't look like they were Korogach students, but uh, Mr. Pogo, young Mr. Pogo, right out of sumo, that uh, Grand Hamada later on, that the lucha libre legend. They were all trained under Koro too. It's pretty, uh, so that's the first, I, well, not not even the first, I guess it's the second generation of his, uh, his training. Yeah, because he was coach at uh, Nippon Pro Wrestling in the late 60s, but this beginning of New Japan Dojo, beginning of New Japan Pro Wrestling was like a really, the period Carl trained a lot of Japanese wrestlers. That Basically, everybody came out of New Japan Dojo. After that, it was Carl's students. Now, how long did he stay connected with New Japan? Um, it, it's really like uh, it's complicated because he wasn't all that uh, like active in the ring. He was basically dojo coach, and Inoki against Korogat single match program in in the ring only lasted about two years, so seventy three, seventy four then, and. New Japan had to have all kinds of American wrestlers to do the, I mean, calendar year tour, right? Mm-hmm. Then you'll have people like Taiga Jit Singh to be the big heel superstar, right? And uh, Carl, and also signed, you know, New Japan signed, the, you know, business partnership with Vince McMahon Sr. So more American superstars start coming in, you know? And mm. I think that uh, somewhat, somehow, Carl Gotch's influence being phased down or pushed away, or you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Carl, as an active wrestler, Carl Gotch as an active wrestler, he started 
1951, right? After mm -hmm. 1948 Olympic. And went to Europe and England and Canada, to America, to different parts of Europe or Asia, Japan. Then uh, he wasn't all that active. I mean, he there was a parts that uh, you can't find any match result from Korogachi, like a year here and a year there. Mm. It wasn't the kind of he wasn't doing the kind of thing that was being recorded uh, by hand or with any videotape. It was a little more off the beaten path. I mean, like in the 60s into early part 70s, it's, it's, there's no video, you know, it's, mm, there's hard no to find. internet. Yeah, hard to find. And right before, a uh, year before uh, this New Japan opening in 1971, he had worked for IWE in Japan. International Wrestling Enterprise, mm -hmm. the third company that's a legendary 1971 IWA World Series. Young under the giant monster Rushmuff, younger Billy Robinson, and Carl Gotch coming out of retirement had a very famous legendary tournament match. You know, Billy Robinson, Carl Gotch, and Young under the giant for IWE. It's like a legendary match. I watched it as a kid. Yeah. And at the time, Carl was living in Hawaii, mm -hmm. you know, working for the city, you know, that like basically driving garbage truck hmm. for about a year. Because he went over there to work as a wrestler, and he didn't get along with Francis' family of Hawaii promoters. He worked there, but he basically, or time to retire, he was like 46, 47, right? So mm -hmm. he lived in Hawaii, and... Uh, was working for the city basically you know the driving garbage truck but the iw promoter uh isao yoshiwara really wanted to have a karogachi in the ring so he came out of retirement and started working active wrestler again that's when carl's daughter met masami soranaka in hawaii and got married mm. yeah because we have to put these pieces of puzzle you know together you know and they'll come and, later yeah so that's how they got connected okay soranaka and yeah, Soranaka, and yeah, yeah, so, oh, he, right, right, and by 72, he was back in active role, and he, of all places, went to Vince McMahon Sr.'s WWF, and was working full-time, until Inoki came in and asked for help. Now connected? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, 73, 74 on, he Carl wasn't really active as a wrestler anymore, and he was like pushing fifty, right? But there's a record that 1977 he worked in Mexico as an active wrestler. Wow, 1977, yeah, as late as 1977 with uh, American wrestler called Carl Gatz Jr. <laughs> Do you know who that was? No, who was it? American wrestler Carl Gatz Jr. was later on Joe Malenko, Jody. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, the history is really interesting. See, with, you know, that uh, I think new, that uh, Carl Gotch in 72, 73, 74, and all the way to like 77, 78, he was under New Japan contracts, you know, wrestler or not, because he was sending wrestler to New Japan, you know, was also training wrestlers, you know, coming to, you know, come to Japan three or, you know, three months at a time. And uh, I, in in the mid 80s, you know, when he was coaching UWF, I watched Korogach's training 
he spoke Japanese while he was coaching Japanese. Mae ushiro, ichi ni san, mae ushiro, you know, yoko, yoko, something like that. Wow, it's all in Japanese, right? He did pick up some Japanese. I mean, he didn't really speak fluent Japanese, but good enough where he can really communicate in Japanese. Mm, he could probably that, coach a class in Japanese. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, that uh, he, with New Japan's, you know, annual income, he finally bought the house in Tampa, Florida, or Odessa, Florida, the, the Tampa suburb. Okay, yeah. Odessa. Yeah, Odessa, yeah. That's where Chris Jericho lives now. Huh. <laughs> yeah, they got right next to, I mean, suburb of Tampa. Anyhow, that, uh, that Tampa house was where all kinds of Japanese wrestlers came and stayed with Coral. You know, younger uh, Yoshiaki Fujiwara, the, that uh, young Fujinami for a six months period, Kido, that uh, right after Mexicans, that uh, there was a, the, there's a time between Satoru Sayama's um, Mexican tour and British tour. Right before he became, you know, Sayama became Tiger Mask, a couple of years before he became Tiger Mask, Sayama was in Mexico as Satoru Sayama. Okay. Then came to Coral's house and stayed a period of time and just trained. And Coral was the one to send Sayama, young Sayama to England. And he became Sammy Lee. Mm -hmm. Then New Japan called him back to become the Tiger Mask. And Satoru Sayama also was Korogachi's student. Yeah. And so many. But uh, I think that New Japan's business partnership with WWE sort of overshadowed the, the connection with Coral. And probably 1978, 1977, 1978, 1979 version of Anthony Inoki didn't need Korogachi anymore. Right. He was already yeah. pretty big star by this point. And also a partnership with WWE and you have Bob Backlands and all these people coming in and then Korogach come in every now and then to be the title match witness. You know what I'm saying? But uh, he didn't have any, not any other roles. If you remember uh, 1976 Inoki Muhammad Ali fight, you find Korogach in Inoki's corner. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And as late as 1977, he was wrestling in Mexico a little bit. I think it wasn't for him. It was young Jody Malenko, and he was named Korogach Jr., and that was his young experience because Jody Malenko's father, the, the great Boris Malenko, was was good friend of Coral in Tampa. Mm -hmm. I was just about the only friend. <laughs> Coral was hard to deal with, right? Was he? Oh, oh God, he is very hard to deal with, you know, because uh, he's a loner and uh, he's like a no nonsense in wrestling ring, but he was no nonsense in, 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 in private life too, you know. He hates liars, you know, and of course you should, but uh, he only deals with honest friends, you know. And I guess Japanese students were so loyal to him that he had many Japanese friends. But the American wrestling-related friends, you know, he didn't, I mean, didn't socialize with wrestling, you know, community. 
If you lived in Tampa, Florida, you would think you would go to Sportatorium, that the NWA territory, the uh, Eddie Graham family, all these. He did not have anything to do with them. Instead, he helped Boris Malenko's outlaw company in Florida. Later on, those Malenko students all came to UWF, though. Remember? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was kind of the early, early UWF stars. Yeah, so image of Carl, God of Wrestling thing is like a, almost like a no longer needed, like a 1980 version of you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Actually, it was Akira Maeda who revived you know, you know, Koro Gach. Upon his return from England, uh, young Akira Maeda, 23-year-old Akira Maeda was put in the main event cluster uh, upon his return from British tour that the first inaugural 1983, first inaugural IWGP tournament, he was representing Europe, if you remember. Mm -hmm. Akira Maeda. And Akira Maeda, young Akira Maeda, didn't think he was ready to be in the main band cluster. What he asked New Japan company at the time is like, I'm going, uh, let me go to Korogachi's house. Therefore, all of a sudden, 1982, 1983, Korogachi's image revived again. Mm-hmm. Maeda took then opening match wrestler Nobuhiko Takada with him as a, tr- a practice partner. And Coral in Tampa trained 23-year-old Akira Maeda and 22-year-old young Nobuhiko Takada his style. Later on, how big of a star they both became. I mean, it was the new generation. Those, those three names that you named right there became... Mm-hmm. And they were always, they'd always bring up Gotch in those uh, broadcasts. And I think, was Gotch brought over for any of those UWF shows to make an yeah, appearance? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that uh, he, 1984 version of UWF, it's like, uh, actually, we have to rewind a little bit. Coral Gotch's very last match as an active wrestler was January 1st and January 8th, 1982. All of a sudden, New Japan decided to bring Coral Gotch over for a tour, for the, his final tour. January 1st against then not-so-famous uh, Yoshiaki Fujiwara. And January 8th, Osamu Kido. Coral Gotch had two exhibition matches and did his final German suplex on TV. Hmm. What year was that? 82, 82, January 1st, 82, and, and January 8th, 82. There was a reason. <clears throat> there was a reason. <clears throat> Masafuchi of All Japan, you know, he was actually All Japan wrestler, but he, while he was living in the Florida, you know, excursion tour with Onita, he was in Florida, Masafuchi, young Masafuchi. He actually decided to go to Korogachi's house to train. I'm nothing political, right? It's like he wanted to learn from Coral Gotch, genuinely. Mm. And Jan Baba had an idea. Rio Tag Team Tournament, 1981. Coral Gotch and Billy Robinson was going to be the team. That never happened. Wow. 1981. So if that happened, Coral Gotch and Billy Robinson as a team would have the match against the Funks or Abdur the Butcher and the Sheik. And that year was such a hot year, such a crazy and 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 popular year for all japan yeah yeah so i wow. think imagine that new japan and antonio caught the uh rumor you know 
Are they bringing in, is All Japan and Giant Bob bringing in Korogach into that tag team tournament? And uh, sure enough, that uh, 1981 December All Japan's tag team tournament thing didn't happen. And Korogach was brought back to New Japan ring in January 1st of 1982. Oh, wow. Very political, right? Very. Yeah. But the, that reminded me. Then, then, then fast forward about four, you know, three years, uh, two years, three years, that the Carl was once again the tra- you know, big time trainer, coach, the whole new generation that uh, Satoru Sayama, that uh, Yoshiaki Fujiwara leaving New Japan, young Akira Maeda, young Nobuhiko Takada, Kazuo Yamazaki, all these people left New Japan to form first version of UWF. No nonsense. That's when they started this whole UWF style that uh, no bouncing off the ropes, no fancy drop kicks, no fighting outside the ring that, that you just do. And, and when you think about it, it's what the Coral Gachi would do in the ring. And Coral Gachi became, again, symbol of deity, I should say, of UWF style. Then soon enough that the Coral Gachi was brought into UWF ring. Not as a wrestler, of course, but uh, he is there as your witness of the match, but more like your, what do you call it? Honored guest. Uh, Yeah, or... Or spokesperson, um, or... uh, The more spiritual uh, position. Like a... a, Moral. Yeah, like the, kind of like the face of the company, not the face of the company, but the, the like you said, the spirit the, the, of the that company. represent the whole image of what mm. they're doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so it's like a UWF thing, and Akira Maeda, Fujiwara, Satoru Saima, this really revived Korogachi image image again in eighties. Very interesting, huh? Yeah. And in nineties, when you know. Masakatsu Funaki, that uh, today's Minoru Suzuki, that uh, uh, all these guys from Fujiwara Gumi left Fujiwara Gumi to form Pancras. They went to Korogachi's place. Mm. And Korogachi named the company Pancras. Isn't that interesting? And it became very different. Uh, I mean, it was marketed like pro wrestling, but it was. Yeah, it was yeah, because UWF main. was still in the realm of professional wrestling, you know? But the Pancras wanted to make it all the way to, like, no finish. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah. But the Korogachi was there to help them because those wrestling technique would be the same. Work or not. And even today, yeah, and even today you see a lot of these techniques, I mean, more developed forms of them, but the root techniques and, are pretty similar. And also the audience have studied. Educated yes, audience. more literate yeah. audience too. They yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. So, and also, Koro ended up training like not just you know Masakatsu Funaki and Minoru Suzuki and his friends, but like a trained people like Ken Shamrock. That's right. Oh wow! So there's like an entire generation of the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s, all influenced by Koro Gach. And even today, when we talked about Minoru Suzuki a minute ago, I mean, we see Carl him. pile driver. It's a it's a regular move in the lexicon of pro wrestling today. You hear and Gotch style all the Japanese time. Japanese professional wrestlers using German suplex every day, not knowing the original bit. Maybe every match. 
pretty much. I think it's the coolest looking wrestling move ever, right? It's just it's a, such a common part of uh, pro wrestling, especially Japanese pro wrestling. Uh, yeah, but the, when the Koro did it, or when Inoki did it, or other you know Japanese wrestler did the German suplex, that was a sure go home, no? Right. Know? Right. Nobody kicks out from it. Little bit of influence today's like guys like uh, Kento Miyahara, of course, not having any direct influence of Koro, but the uh, shutdown suplex is to revive German suplex. Mm. I mean, it's a sure finish. Nobody kicks out. Definitive um, and also, yeah, protected. No one, yeah. no one and touches the, it. Yeah. And the reason I myself was a huge fan of Coral was that, you know, of course, as a kid, I went to, you know, my, when I was fifth grade, I, I went to watch non televised Inoki against Coral Gotch single match as a kid, you know, of course, big fan. But later on, when I became magazine, you know, writer, I was fortunate enough to spend time with Coral. You know, it was like the luckiest guy, you know, and, uh, and being able to sit down with Koro Gachi and talk wrestling for hours, no interruption. But uh, what uh, I enjoyed or like uh, was honored, of course, but uh, I was impressed the most was that it doesn't matter how many times the same question was repeated or asked, Koro Gachi was the kind of person who never changed his story. Mm -hmm. I mean, some. I mean, I'm not saying any, anybody in particular, but the people change story over the years, right? Mm -hmm. Or the feeling have changed, or the way you look at the situation changed, and therefore the story you tell will vary sometimes. But for Carl, Carl got it doesn't matter how many times the same question was asked or repeated over and over, he, he would give you exact same story. So honest, right? Because he was uh, in a world where it was easy to step into dishonesty. And if he played the role where if he's real, then he doesn't need to worry about anything. I think that's the approach. Yeah, and then the being, being honest and expect his friend to be honest. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? More oh, similar that's... to somebody like a Bruno San Martino than any contemporary. I would say more like a religious person. Yes, or or like martial arts. There's like a oh, kind of... the, yeah, the master. Yeah, more like a master of your martial arts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and or more like a Christian, you know, pastor or priest. He yeah. really he believes it, and he never. Um, it wasn't just not just an act. No, no, no. It was all real for him. Yeah, it was him really. I mean, nobody's watching, but he gets up five o'clock in the morning and does his morning mm. dozen. You know, nobody's watching, but he has his. He kept his own dojo, like a training space in his garage at home. He uses the, the deck card, ten or ten push up. If it's a you know spade, uh, you do the push up. If you, the, the heart comes out, it's is uh, your setup. If it's a diamond, you know you do this. It's it's a, a sets of rules that the he trains until the whole deck of cards is going through. You know, went through. It just, oh God, he just does it in the morning. And I asked, why would you do this when you were almost seven years old? Nobody's watching. His answer was, because I eat a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was a different yeah. age too, where there was no pressure to, you know, do everything in public. He, he was, 
Yeah, and then another he thing doing. he taught me was that the way from where I come from, anybody who talk about himself stinks. So he <laughs> never bragged. You know? I mean I him mean, yeah, him and his important friend knows the you know the you know how he is. And he never have to advertise himself. Never felt that way. He would let yeah. his his technique and his wrestling speak for it, what he did. And only deal with friends he trusts. Yeah. Yeah. We should mention you got a chance to do a documentary on. Yeah, Kamisama. Yeah, it's out there. Yeah. So I consider myself very lucky. So I asked Coro, you know, can I come in and and, and, in the film that the videotape used? Come in. And he didn't act. He just, I, you know, went over there early in the morning and the videotape. You know whatever he was doing, and I brought Fujiwara with him to start. You know that to talk to. So they they sat down and talked all day. And I filmed it. <laughs> yeah, it became yeah became a documentary. And also he was like uh, not grumpy. He was like always like a humming. <laughs> it's like a very happy person. Yeah, and he had this harmonica that he played. Yeah. Oh God, really? it's like I can talk about Carl Gotcha all day long because I'm a big fan. I mean, I think we covered a lot in today's episode because it's, it's, it's a unique situation because, like you said, there's so little footage of him available out there. And right. he built so that, much of his career on that fam- reputation. Yeah, most famous thing being New Japan's opening match, March of 1972, right? Mm, it's mm. not a videotape. It's movie film, film, you know? And the one the Coral Gotch won, but he was already 47. And following year, or oh, that following year, then Inoki and Seiji Sakaguchi against Coral Gotch Luthes tag team match, two out of three, four. That's on New Japan World. Yeah, that's in New Japan World. Today's New Japan World, that's a streaming service. Those are two famous ones, but the, nothing on his prime time. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, there's a there's a black and white footage, 1961. Korogachi's first tour to Japan against Yoshi, Michiaki Yoshimura the night he introduced uh, German suplex. At the time, they called it Atomic Suplex. At the time, that's right. That's right. You yeah. can, that's on YouTube. That's on YouTube. But those are about the only like really really good footage of Korogachi. You know, they must have had what thousand other matches, right? Yeah, yeah, or I don't know if they're official matches or they're, you know, sparring sessions or... Uh... Yeah, and then sometimes there's a, you find a news clip result from like Australia, 1966 or something, and says like, a, they say, Korogach against take on all comers. What the hell is that supposed to mean? Mm. Did he take a, a tough guy from the audience? Right, <laughs> right. right. Yeah, take on all comers, like all comers, meaning like they didn't even mention the name of the wrestler. So he must have been one of those things that the, I'll take on all comers, pin me for five thousand dollar kind mm. of thing. Very old school. Very old school. Yeah. So like some mysterious part remains, but uh, Carl was so real, and uh, yeah, it was honor to really. I had a chance to, you know, spend some time. I took him to, while he was, you know, staying in Japan three months at a time, um, I was fortunate enough to take him to Sumo, uh, Sumo building to watch Sumo. I mean, not same Sumo Palace, but not the wrestling night. He wanted to watch Sumo wrestling, right? 
Uh, went to sumo dojo, you know, sumo bear, like you know, like a morning practice, and watched Chiyono Fuji practice in the morning. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I would uh, Kakutogi Tsushin magazine, the martial arts magazine. I took him to uh, quite a few karate masters' house, and uh, they had talk interview. And uh, yeah, it's like everybody had respect for Carl Carl Gotch. Yeah. Mm. Wow. He had that reputation. He's, it's amazing how much of a, how strong his reputation was. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't come back in Japan after the 90s. He was telling people that he's too old to travel, you know, and then he had skin cancer here and skin cancer there, living in Florida. Hmm. And uh, at the end, um, what do you call that uh, um, erratic aneurysm? Mm-hmm. Aneurysm. You know, yeah, that, that the blood exploded inside him. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, he, yeah, he passed away, you know. After his wife, Ella, passed away in 94, he lived all by himself another 14 years or so, you know. And he said that's when he started drinking a little bit, a lot, <laughs> you know. Mm. Yeah. And at the time, Osamu Nishimura was living in, in, in Tampa. So every week he went to check with, you know, check up on him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So that they was, were pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Not as a New Japan wrestler, but uh, that uh, he, Nishimura wanted to be friends with him, you know, because he wanted to learn and just not just wrestling part, but wanted to sit down and just listen to him for hours and hours. Yeah. So from all the way to, from Ricky Dozan Inoki to all the way to Osamu Nishimura Yuki Ishikawa, huh? Yeah, a lot of different people, a lot of influential people. Oh, everybody in between Akira Maeda, Fujiwara, Sayama, Takada, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty. Uh, it's unprecedented, and yeah, oh, yeah, I can't forget Masakatsu Funaki and Minoru Suzuki later mm. on, right? Yeah, it's it's easy to forget because they're still active, you know. Yeah, and uh, came, after Pancras, he, they came back to pro traditional pro wrestling now. Mm -hmm. Then gave That's them right. longevity, you know. Yeah. And Minoru Suzuki, what, the 54, 55? Mm. That he's still strong. Yeah. He's more he, active than ever, I think. Right. And then went into uh, like a, in, not just New Japan strong, but the all kinds of different independent cards in America. And, and, and it's like, he's uh, when when he come out, he's like, a, Real life samurai. I mean, like, yeah, yeah samurai top. came into life. Yeah. yeah, so that's a little bit of Karagachi in him, right? Hmm. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So, so that was I get carried away because uh, I love Karagachi. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess if anyone out there that's listening has a specific question about Karl Gotch, who is the guy that you have to talk to? He's, he's the one. I, I don't know about that, but, uh, well, I think you're one of the few people who actually got to spend some time with him. It's uh, more and more. Yeah. Rare, I so. yeah, yeah I, I consider myself very, very lucky. Yeah. So like if, my, my hero. Yeah. If people wanted to ask you questions about the Kamisama pro wrestling. Yeah. Where can they reach you? Oh, at, Twitter at Fumihikodayo, F-U-M-I-H-I-K-O-D-A-Y-O, at Fumihikodayo, or just Fumisaito on Facebook. And on Twitter, I'm at Justin M. Nipper, K-N-I-P-P-E-R. All right, that's it for this week. So, Fumi, until next week, take it away. So long from Tokyo.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.